0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. This morning, I'm going to be teaching from 2 Chronicles. And um, so you can just open up your Bibles there. And we're going to be looking at 13, 14, 15, and 16. Not the entire thing. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and we're going to be looking at a figure that we don't normally uh, talk a lot about, in, about King Asa, okay? And um, just to kind of set the setting, so Asa is actually the fifth king in the line of David. So there was David, Solomon, I think all of us are pretty familiar with those two. Then you have Rehoboam. And Rehoboam um, was... The king that, when Israel came to uh, him after, he, after Solomon had uh, passed away, and they basically the message to King Rehoboam was, make our lives are a little bit easier because of the taxation that was going on after Solomon. And Rehoboam was the one that said, you know, my finger is going to be heavier than um, my father. So um, his son was Abijah. And um, I want to take a look at Abijah just for a few minutes before we get to Asa, just to kind of set the stage. And I want to use this lesson and for you to utilize this lesson to take a look at reliance. So if you have to talk to anybody about reliance, I I think that there's actually actually some really great lessons uh, buried within this text from a Sunday school perspective, there's a couple of different ways that you can teach Sunday school, which I've learned, not that I'm the expert. You can kind of jump around to different texts within the Bible on a, on a general theme, or you can kind of highlight an individual character and um, pick the theme that's, that's out of that, with inside of that character. And so that's what I'm going to be doing today with looking at Asa. <clears throat> so I'm going to actually begin um, in looking at Abijah. In 1 Kings 15, you don't need to turn there, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures and just point a couple of things out to you. So this is 1 Kings 15. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebet, Abijam, it's interesting that in Chronicles it's Abijah, but here it's Abijam, became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name is Makah. The granddaughter of Abishalom. and he walked in all the sins of his fathers which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Nevertheless, for David's sake the Lord gave his the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, by setting up his son after him by establishing Jerusalem. So <clears throat> He, he walked in the ways of Jeroboam. Um, he had a, there was a lot of sinful idolatry that was happening um, with inside of Israel at this time, actually within Judah. Um, but God still used this in setting up his son. And what's interesting in looking at this, so I'm going to actually jump into third, Second Chronicles 13. If you want to turn there. And I'm actually at verse 12. So what has happened in this chapter is Jeroboam, who had assumed power in Israel, was attacking Judah. And he was coming against Judah with um, 800,000 men. And Judah had about 400,000 men and it picks up in verse 12. So this is Abijah, not, not Asa. Now look, God himself is with us as our head, and is, and his priest with sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you, O children of Israel. Do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them, so they were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked around... To their surprise, the battle line was at both fronts and at the rear, and they cried out to the Lord, and the priests sounded the trumpets. So Israel's attacking Judah. Judah's completely surrounded. Then the men of Judah gave out a shout, and as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter, so 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. Thus, the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Now, what's interesting to me about this is Abijah was not serving God, but yet he relied... They were able to rely on God. And because I should have started with this, the title is The Power of Reliance, okay? Um, But he used this principle of reliance, and God honored that principle, right? So, what? Now, we read in 1 Kings that he only lives three years. All right, and in in actually in one Chronicles thirteen at the beginning of the chapter it states that this Abijah only lived three years. What's what I think is interesting is when we get into um, Asa now, is that Asa was watching this, okay? Because a couple of years after this happened, Asa becomes king in Israel, and what's interesting is. Even though God gave him the victory because of the way they were living, God didn't allow him to enjoy it, okay? So uh, 2 Chronicles 14, verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa his son reigned in his place. In his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. Keep that number in mind, 10, all right? Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods in the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. What causes a man to change the ways from his father's, you know. Obviously, Asa, Asa saw a great victory in the reliance, but he also saw the outcome of the way that his father lived, and he's like, I'm not going to live this way. He, he, he made a change, and he commanded, not asked, he commanded the people to seek God, you know, Also, the significance of 10, that, and we're going to see this a couple of times um, in, this re, in these readings, is that after the victory, they have rest, okay? Verse 5, he also removed the high places and the incense altars from the city of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had a rest, He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them and tower gates and bars. And while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. This is just, it's a principle of God. If we seek him, he's going to, Give us rest and prosperity. He is. But, as we're going to see, that doesn't mean we're always going to be without difficulty. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin 280,000 men who carried shields, shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Then Zaria, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. And he came to Marisha. So, they're seeking the Lord. Nevertheless, what's interesting about this Zera, the Ethiopian, the history accounts say that he was most likely the king of Egypt at this time. And he had his army of a million men. That is a huge number, isn't it? And he was actually on his way to attack this Assyrians. <clears throat> Judah was just in the way. You know? They got, they got caught in this path. Again, and it was an overwhelming number. It was a number of two to one. So how does Asa respond? So Asa went out against him, and they sent the troops in the battle array in the valley of Zephathath and Marisha. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go out against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. What is Asa doing? He's relying, isn't he? What is reliance? As I as I thought about this, I th- I think that because you can, I really believe this statement, you can be serving God, but not relying on him. We're going to talk a little bit about that, okay? I believe reliance is getting to the point where you believe you're powerless. You have no control over the situation. And I think that is where Asa found themselves. There's like, you know what? We are outnumbered two to one. They got chariots. We have nothing Um, these guys are going to destroy us unless God steps in. Verse 12. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa... And the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover, for they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. Say very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil after reliance comes victory after victory comes the blessings what's interesting is what if they had the victory without the difficulty you know and I believe this I believe that victory is cloaked in difficulty. You know, you can't have one or the other. But what's important is that reliance precedes it, right? And there's a lot of times, I think all of us, we want victory, we want the blessings, but we don't really understand the reliance or want the reliance because there's usually difficulty involved with that. And how often... When difficulty shows up, are we really welcoming it? I call this the warning, Chapter Fifteen. This is the warning about victory. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, so just to back up, we had with Abijah, there was 10 years, right? They have this war with the Ethiopians. Now we have this rebuke. This is right after this battle, Okay. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. What's he reminding him? He's reminding him that the battle was won by the Lord right? And is this a, by the way, is this a popular message these days? If you serve God, he's going to be with you. If you don't serve God, he's going to forsake you. It isn't a popular message, is it? It wasn't popular back then either, I would imagine. It is the truth, though. You know, God does allow us to forsake him he does you know and we have to be there is a warning that comes with victory for as long for a long time israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was all on the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation, and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong, and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. So there's a warning and there's a promise. <clears throat> if you forsake God, if you forget about him after this victory, he's going to forsake you. But if you stay with him, he's going to be with you, and he's going to reward the work of your hands in what you do. I'm going to just, and so Asa took this. He just had this huge victory, and they were encouraged. So verse 11, so they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls and 7,000 sheep from the spoil they had brought. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts and with all their soul. they learned a huge lesson about seeking God and relying on God. And this lesson was so powerful that they made a covenant that they're like, we are going to do this. In fact, the covenant was so strong that if you didn't agree to this, they're going to put you to death. That is conviction, isn't it? With that type of a conviction, you would never, ever think you would lose your alliance, would you? I'm going to ch- skip to chapter 16. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa. Let me, I'm going to skip up. Hold on a second. I want to back up to verse 18. I want to show you something. But he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and utensils. And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. I find it interesting that, and I don't know his motivation. It doesn't really say here. But why is he taking all of the gold and silver and putting it in the temple? So in chapter 16, verse 1, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Bashah, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. So we're in the 36th year. How many years has it been since that huge battle? Have I lost you guys yet? 20, 26 years, right? 26 years ago, that was before kids for myself. Wow. That seems like forever. Asa was living in victory a long time. And he was living in the spoil of the victory. You know what I mean? So, let me just catch up with my notes here. Continuing on verse 2 then asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the god of, of the house of the house of the lord and of the king's house and sent to ben-hadad king of syria who dwelt in damascus saying let there be a treaty between you and me and there was betwe- as there was between my father and your father see i have sent you silver and gold come break your treaty with Basha, king of israel so that he will withdraw from me so Ben-Hadad heeded King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Aizan, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. What did Asa do? <clears throat> Is Asa relying on the Lord? He turned his reliance to the blessings that God had got given him out of that great victory. You know what I mean? So instead of relying on God, he's going back to the spoil that he got in the victory to get him his next victory. And what goes through my mind is how did he, and also, it doesn't say that he stopped serving God. Right? It's just that he's going back to wealth to win his battles instead of relying on God. Continuing on verse 6. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones and the timber of Ramah, which was in Bishah, and used And used for building, and with them built Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the the Lumen not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on the Lord... He delivered them into your hands. And I love this line. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Whose hearts are loyal? Those that rely on him. That verse is saying that God's eyes are going back and forth over our entire world just looking for a couple people, right? Who are relying on him when difficulty comes their way. If you heard this, what would you think your natural reaction is? You'd hope you would repent, right? Say, ah! Is it a danger for us to rely on the blessings of God after we've won these victories? I think it is. I think it's natural. I don't think we're going to be any different than King Asa. I think there's a lot of us that, you know, we're committed to serving God, but, man, he's given us so many victories in serving him that we really get comfortable. And it's a temptation to use those blessings and rely on those blessings instead of, instead of God. Verse 10, then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. So, the prophet delivered the message. And what's interesting is, there was even the prophecy, right, immediately after the victory. There was the warning but yet and asa goes down in history as a good king that served the lord but he didn't completely rely on him note the acts of king asa first and last are indeed written in the book of the king of judah and israel and in the 39th year of his reign asa became diseased in his feet and his malady malady was severe Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Even though the difficulty came against him personally, Asa no longer, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in the people around me and trust in the blessings. I'm going to forget the victory that God had given me. So, um, in wrapping up, you know, Asa saw in his father, he saw this, the benefit of reliance, you know. And when he didn't have a lot, when that kingdom was not well established, he turned to God. And God gave him that great victory. He was warned in it. He was warned. He was warned in the victory to keep following him but even though, the war, even though the warning came he still got comfortable may we always continue to rely on the Lord and you know if we mess up and we forget may we repent you know and get back to God. And just say, you know what? It's God that's going to do this. Because God's eyes are looking to and fro to show Himself strong. You know, only, only when we rely on Him can we show Him strong, right? Thank you very much. Lord Jesus, we appreciate you so much and your power, Lord God. Hallelujah. When difficulties come into our lives, and they will, help us to know that they're an opportunity, dear Lord God, to rely on you and to show your power to those that are around us, O Lord God. And when you give us victory, God, help us to remember that all those things have come from you and that you have done this. And let us not ever go back to rely on them for our strength.